local organization says human trafficking is an epidemic and it is happening in Fresno. The Central Valley Justice Coalition is now trying to educate the community. Trafficking at its, at its basic definition is the exploitation of one person's vulnerability for another person's profit. Our mission is to partner with the church and the community to prevent human trafficking. Then the tools that we use to do that are education, partnership, and outreach. My name is Alicia Garcia. I'm 20 years old and I'm a student leader for Students Ending Exploitation. When I went to events for the Justice Coalition. I realized what they were doing was really, really special and I wanted to be a part of that. I've been working with human trafficking issues for the past 33 years. My field of expertise started in Thailand uh, in 1986 and uh, I ran a shelter there for young girls. I would sometimes come back to, to Fresno and I would go to my own home church, Fresno First Baptist, and would see the young women who were obviously victims of trafficking and working in prostitution on the blocks in the neighborhood of the church. And I was absolutely devastated. It, it just tore at my soul because um, I felt like I was so committed to my work overseas and yet right there, here in my hometown, um, there were women working in prostitution and victims of trafficking. I started volunteering with the Justice Coalition because I am a survivor of human trafficking and I had reached a point in my healing journey where I really started believing and I felt that tug in my heart that I needed to start sharing my story for the benefit of others and the Justice Coalition provided me with the opportunity to do that. believe in the church because the church has fought against slavery, marched for civil rights. The church was the first to serve homeless populations and to set up uh, programs to feed uh, people who were hungry and going without food. The church was the first to, uh, to start programs for people with substance abuse issues. Uh, the church cared for the sick when no one else would. Uh, guys, many Christians uh, throughout history have died during pandemics because they were willing to risk their own health, safety, and security to care for people who were sick. The church, the early church Christians, they rushed into the woods to save children who were abandoned to die in pagan rituals because they knew that every life mattered. They knew that every life was valuable. And so the church, when, when we get it right, when we follow Jesus' mission, then the church has tremendous potential for societal change and personal transformation.
have the privilege of being joined by Ryan uh, Townsend from the Justice Coalition today. Um, and we've known each other, what, for like three years now? Yeah, like so? three years. Okay. Yeah. You guys got him? Or yeah, I think, me? I think so. Go. They also told me to hold it right here. Yeah, so I, I told them that, to too. not to do the stand-up comic thing of... Exactly, because like I noticed like Nick, I was like cringing every time yeah. Nick was using it. And I'm like, oh, the, it's a cheap mic. So I'm like, we've got to hold it like right around here. But anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's been, we don't, we don't know each other that well, but like being able to pray together and um, just have some conversations. And it's been a blessing just to, um, to partner with you guys in, in the, the few ways I've been able to over the years. And so we're blessed to have you, man. Um, before he gives his presentation, I want to read a, a quick scripture today that I'm going to talk after, after he's done. And it's from 1 John uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And it says this, See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know, I mean, that's, that's mysterious, but kind of exciting. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. And there's a lot of context here, um, and, and, and this can be taken certain ways, but unfortunately, we're not going to dive into all of this today. I want to focus more, mostly on verse 8 here. It says, The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose. Why did Jesus come? This is why Jesus came. This is why we have Christmas. This is why the little baby was born in a manger to destroy the devil's works. Jesus came to bring a destruction on the enemy. And, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, some of the, the devil's works today and the, the horrific ones that maybe we would find of a more horrific and kind of uh, obvious, horrible nature. Um, and... Uh, and then we're going to see the hope that we have that, that Jesus came to destroy those very things. Jesus came to put to death um, the devil's work. So I'd love for us to just welcome Ryan as, uh, as he comes and presents today. Thank you. Thanks so much, Hunter. Hunter is, I think he's kind of trying to be humble, but he really, uh, uh, he is humble. But um, he really has been a, a gigantic blessing to us at the Justice Coalition. And uh, we have, he's been involved in, in, our, in our prayer gatherings, which we have monthly uh, for at least three years. He's brought his guitar down to, uh, to our office to, uh, to lead us in worship and to encourage us. And so it really, he really is uh, incredible. And, and uh, you are so blessed to, uh, to have him uh, be a part of your leadership here today. I just want to say thanks for, uh, thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. Um, this morning, I was uh, trying to figure out how to dress, so I went to your I Instagram account and, um, and wound up watching all of your uh, videos, your worship videos that are on there, and those are incredible. Let me also say it's a little weird for me to arrive at 10 a.m. since uh, I am on the team uh, with my wife, who's a worship and teaching pastor here in town, 
and uh, so I often am also up very early and uh, uh, and trying to get my guitar in tune and uh, to play along. So it's also uh, a, a different experience uh, to be able to come in and, and worship with you here today, but I can see that you are a, a group of people who are passionate about the the transformational, uh, world-changing power of following Jesus and following Jesus together, and to see people, uh, to see people find uh, healing, to see people turn away from uh, turn away from their sin and follow Jesus. That is uh, something that I can tell that you're passionate about, and it's something that I'm passionate about as well. Um, we, uh, I want to go through a, a couple of things this morning. Um, uh, let me also just give it a second plug. Uh, please, if you haven't signed up yet for the class today, the Understanding Human Trafficking class, it is at 1, up 1 p.m., so there's plenty of time to get some food uh, to, to settle in uh, for, for this afternoon's class, and I think that you will really, really learn uh, a, ton, a ton, much more than I can tell you in just a couple of moments uh, here today. Um, but today is, uh, we are recognizing today Freedom Sunday. And, uh, and, and it is for, I believe, for such a time as this. Uh, Pastor Nick, he alluded to, well, spoke directly to the things that are happening in the world now that are just out of our control. Um, just the tremendous amount of, uh, of suffering and injustice uh, that is in the world. And, and what we believe is that just like Esther was, was chosen uh, to, uh, to, to step in and intervene on behalf of God's people, that each of us are also uh, chosen to do that. And, and Esther, we don't appropriate Esther's story. She was, Esther was likely a victim of human trafficking, and that's something that, uh, if you want to talk to me about that later, we can get into that. We don't want to appropriate her story and her struggle, uh, but at the same time, we want to learn from what is the, what's the principle there in that story for such a time as this. So, we are the, uh, the Justice Coalition, if you want to go to the next slide there, um, and we have been around uh, for over 10 years now uh, in, in, in various forms. And the initial form, um, you can see there, I'm a little younger, a little less gray. Um, we, we began really out of a, uh, a desire to, uh, to not only worship God with the songs that we sing, but also to put our, our hands in the air, but our feet on the pavement uh, as we follow God together as well, and and um, those a uh, couple of those photos there are from a uh, a, a gathering in uh, 2011 on 11111, um, where we we met at the University Vineyard, and that really birthed the Justice Coalition. But it was a long route from a group of people who were just praying and seeking God about what He would have us do to the place that we are at today. And so uh, I was uh, involved with my colleague, uh, Jessica Pittman, my wife, and a group of others um, who really started the Justice Coalition. Um, and I was just there to support and to lend uh, what I could um, and uh, as a volunteer. And then in 2015, I, <clears throat> end of 2015, I made a transition from, uh, I was on staff at the same church that I'm still a part of the community um, of North Park Community Church. Uh, in, here in Fresno, and um, I felt that God had called me to, to take on this, uh, this new challenge, and so I transitioned um, part-time for three months from my job as an outreach pastor at North Park Community Church uh, to being the executive director of the Justice Coalition, and that's when we filed the paperwork and we became a standalone, standalone 501c3, and so we didn't want to rush ahead of what God was doing, right? There are, are others who, um, who, uh, who 
who sometimes I think are too quick to act and, and too slow to listen. And so we spent a lot of time listening. And what we, what we discovered is that we want to be an organization that helps to fill in the gaps where they exist. And there was a gap uh, in uh, what we saw as prevention education. Uh, stopping human trafficking before it ever happens in the first place. And if you're familiar with the medical field and uh, a variety of other fields, uh, where it, it takes us as, as people, I think we're sometimes slow to come around to this, but really an ounce of pre prevention is worth a pound of cure. And so what we want to do is prevent exploitation and trafficking before it happens. And I realize that I probably need some explanation there for why uh, Jessica and I are holding that photo uh, they made this Napoleonic style portrait of us at Bitwise along with a bunch of other organizations and that picture is currently in storage because I don't know what I <laughs> where, where I would possibly hang it up. Um, but we are thankful for our community. If you go to the next slide, um, as has already been said several times, our mission is to partner with the church and the community to prevent human trafficking through education, partnership, and outreach. And we, and if you go to the next slide, we join Jesus in his mission, and that's what we're doing here today. We're joining Jesus in his mission. We didn't, we didn't come up with this idea. Um, you know, what's a good thing that we could do? Oh, we could try to stop slavery and human trafficking, but we, uh, we looked for where Jesus was, and we wanted to join with him in his mission to bring freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set the oppressed free. Here's a snapshot. Let's go to the next uh, to the next slide here. Here's just a snapshot of human trafficking in uh, in the world, and then as it pertains to to Fresno County. So it's so important um, that we uh, that we use data, that we use accurate data, that we don't uh, try to exaggerate or manipulate people into caring about uh, about slavery and about exploitation. And so um, in t in the world today, there's over 25 million people in forced labor. Uh, worldwide, and that's according to the Global Slavery Index. You'll often hear um, an, another another figure that's out there that has been for a long time that there are 27 million slaves in the world today, and you'll also hear that there's as many as 40 million slaves in the world today, and both of those are true. That 40 million number that you'll that you'll sometimes hear includes forced marriage, um, and and that is a uh, is a global worldwide problem. But we do think that we should try to make a distinction. Uh, between between uh, human trafficking and and forced marriage, and so 13 million plus victims of uh, of forced of forced marriage in the world. Labor trafficking is far more prevalent than what we all think of when we think of human trafficking, which is sex trafficking. Um, and uh, that doesn't uh, that that doesn't mean that those people who are being labor trafficked are not also experiencing sexual abuse and exploitation. From 2010 to, uh, to, uh, to 2020, over 1,150 victims of trafficking have been identified in our region by just one of our partners, the Central Valley Against Human Trafficking Project, uh, which is uh, run out of Fresno EOC. Uh, in, in 2019, we educated over 6,000 people in person, and we are still uh, and you're like, why are you sharing us a number from 2019? Well, then it was 2020, and then it was 2021, and we're in the process of re-figuring out how we count the number of people that we educate since so many more have been online, and we were solely counting uh, in-person trainings, uh, gatherings, 
and presentations. And so um, well over uh, 27,000 people have been educated in person uh, in, in, our, in our history. And then also that 2,000 youth went through uh, either a, a one-time workshop in a school or an after-school program or in a youth group at a church, and 159 went through our multi-week prevention pro programs. And so um, this, uh, this quote that we have up here is a quote from a young person uh, who participated uh, in our, our training, and that really is our goal, is for people to get the information and then to share it. Human trafficking uh, is, as I said in the video, is an, is an exploitation of vulnerability for profit. And so exploit is simply taking advantage of someone, and a vulnerability is an area in, in which, uh, which you have, uh, an area that can be easily hurt or open to, a, to attack, right? So if you think about, um, injuries that we have, um, and if you're a sports fan like I am, um, you, you, you know that, uh, that less scrupulous coaches will say, so-and-so has a knee injury, let's be sure and hit them there, right? That is a vulnerability. Um, they'll never admit to that because <laughs> they would be fined and, and, uh, and there would be consequences. But uh, so, so vulnerability is not something that is unique to just human, human trafficking victims. Uh, all of you here today, including myself, have vulnerabilities. There are things that could happen in your life which could lead you into a place of desperation where you would maybe be willing to take uh, a job or an opportunity to earn money or something that somebody uh, was asking you to do that you never would have thought of if you weren't in that situation in the first place. And so uh, I tell my, my kids they're super sick of all this stuff, um, as you can imagine. Uh, but I have a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 9-year-old, and uh, my 15-year-old has been through all of our classes, our curriculum, and uh, she hates it when I point out to her, you, you, one of your vulnerabilities you can't do anything about, that's that you're 15 years old, you have not lived in this world for as long as we have, your mother and I, and your, you know, your teachers and coaches and uh, mentors, and so that is a vulnerability, all young people are vulnerable. And so sometimes people wonder how can human trafficking happen here? And so we have a, a story from a friend of mine, Jamelia, who's given me uh, permission to share this uh, today. And, uh, and this is uh, her unique story, but this is a story that happened right here in our Central Valley uh, that we would like for you to, uh, to view now. I'm from Belize, Central America, and I was off and on with my family, so I was kind of like the black sheep in my family. Um, I was just playing in the school, uh, in my yard. Um, I had missed school because my toe, um, I got injured. And this white van just pulled up, and this white woman, American woman, was asked me, is your cousin Pila there? And I said, no, she had left to go to one of her friend's house. And I knew where she was, so I um, offered to take her there. And when we returned back home, my mom and all my little sisters, they were on, leaning on the fence. And she uh, looked through the window and asked my mom, can I have one of your girls? They're, you have such beautiful kids. and." Um, She's like, which one can I take? And I left with a little plastic bag that day with her. And 
didn't return. The first week wasn't that good because um, that's when I got my first beating with um, a piece of board off the beach because their daughter didn't want me in the house. She got my mom to sign papers and told her she's gonna do the adoption in America. And she packed up the school bus, packed us up in the school bus and we drove from Placencia all the way through Mexico and into Texas. And during that time, the bus kept breaking down and breaking down because it was an old school bus. It was the school bus that she went um, from America to Belize in. I picture you in the sun, wondering what went wrong, and falling down on your knees, asking for we moved um, actually right across from Buchanan. I mean, smack in front. We walked to school. And um, that's where I attended 10th through 12th grade of Buchanan High School. You can feel that you can believe it. May God's love be with you. After that, I truly knew I was free. And it's a feeling that I can never explain because for so many years I tried and tried and nobody could help me. Everybody said, oh, either sorry or call this number or I don't know what we can do. And here's this one woman that I just explained a little bit of my story and she was at my front door and she was at that front door. At Central Valley Justice Coalition, we're committed to telling stories like Jamelia's story to as many people as possible. Our mission is to partner with the church and the community to prevent human trafficking. We believe that every person has intrinsic value that's given to them by God. And so we believe that no one is invisible. If you're watching this video right now, you can make a difference. There's no reason for you to sit on the sidelines because this is a battle that will be won by everyday, normal people like you and me. Well, preventing human trafficking is getting educated because there's many parts of human trafficking. There's the sex part and there's the labor part. And with the labor part, you don't necessarily see the victims. They're behind closed doors. I was walking with the, behind people's shadows and they didn't even know I was a victim. I didn't even know I was a victim. So it's really very important to get educated. So even when the victim is not seeing the signs, you do. So you can help rescue them before it's too late.
So w- this morning, what we are doing here is standing up for people like Jamelia, standing up for people whose, it's not that they don't have a voice, but it's that their voices are being drowned out. And as you can see from that video, uh, we made it five years ago, it's still true, uh, that the person that was responsible for, uh, for her trafficking has not been uh, brought to justice or held accountable yet. So today, um, we are encouraging you to, to pray and to give and to act. And uh, we have resources here for you. Um, we have, uh, if you go to the next slide, uh, we have a, uh, our own resource line, uh, which is not equivalent to calling 911 or even the National Human Trafficking Hotline, which is there, but is available if you uh, have, there's, there's a situation that you are aware of, that you've been made aware of, or you'd like more information or resources on how you can, and how you can get involved. And so now I'm going to, uh, I'm going to hand it back off to Hunter, and he's going to bring the word for us today. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Um, trying to think if I, if there's anything I want to add on or respond um, before we jump into this. Um, we're going we're gonna to spend some time in prayer um, after, after we go through the word, um, and, I'll, and I'll have Ryan come back and, and, and tell us, like, specifically some areas we can be praying. There's just, uh, the time is so short, and, and that's, Ryan did not have enough time to go over, I'll just, the, man, there's so much good, good work that God is using them to do, and, um, and I love it, so thank you. And it's just, Jamelia's story is awesome, and, and even as it continues, it's really cool to see um, how God's working in her life. Um, so let's go back uh, real quick. I'm not going to take very long, and, and I'm going to time myself so I don't take long. Um, I, I titled this little talk right here, God is a Warrior. God is a Warrior. And I'm not just pulling it out because it sounds cool. Literally, Exodus 15.3 says, The Lord is a Warrior. The Lord is his name. And uh, the King James Version, I like how it puts it in this kind of dramatic way. It says, God is a man of war. Um, so anyway, how, how, does that, how does that work? How do we see God as a warrior in Scripture and in our day today? Um, to go back to our original verse, how does Jesus destroy the works of the devil? What does that look like? And, uh, and so I want to unpack this a little bit here. And first I want to look at, I want to ask three questions. And the first one is, what are the devil's works? So if this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works, well, what are the devil's works? And we can see from the context of 1 John, without going back and reading it, that it's very clear that, that, that what John's referring mainly to is, is sin. Sin is the devil's works. It is, it is what is in opposition to God. Now, the word sin covers a lot of ground. It's a very broad term, and I don't know. It's so broad that maybe when I say sin, you know, nothing specific comes to your head because, you know, there's so much that that um that that entails it's it's thoughts it's attitudes it's actions for sure um and it's something within us there's an entity within us which we've talked before about uh that seeks to rebel against god that that always will seek another god will always seek um another savior than 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 our god um and satan seeks to propagate and advance sin in our lives and it, it doesn't always look like, you know, the egregious, horrific reality of human trafficking and what happened to J- 
Jamelia and, and, and others like her. Sometimes it just looks like pride. Sometimes it looks like something subtle that, you know, no one, the world wouldn't look at. The world might even praise it. We might even praise it in each other, but not know that underneath that is, is this thing of sin. And so however Satan can, he's going to propagate sin in your lives. And we see it very obviously in stuff like human trafficking. It's very, like, obvious to us. And it, it makes us cringe and, and, and we're shocked when we see it. How does Satan advance sin in people's lives through lying and deception? Look what 2 Corinthians 4 says, verses 3 and 4. But if our gospel, Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he says, but if our gospel is veiled, if it's hidden, it's hidden to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age, that's not our God. That's the God of this world, the devil. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. I love this passage not because it's a happy passage, but because it tells us what's going on. It helps us understand the world in which we live. This was us, church. This is us, blinded from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And look what John 8, 44 says. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he tells them those, those who were religious, right? Those who the world looked at and said, those are the good guys. And Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. This goes all the way back to the beginning in the garden. This is how Satan brought sin into our world. This is how he corrupted humanity by lying and deceiving Eve into believing that there's, there's, there's a better way than what God has. You can take this into your own hands. You can control your own destiny. God is keeping something from you. He's keeping back what's best. And you can have it through lying and deception. There is no truth in him. That's the works of the devil in a very brief nutshell. So how does Jesus then destroy the works of the devil? And I, I want to be, um, and maybe I'll say this later. I'll, we'll, we'll just keep moving. This is the second question. How does Jesus destroy the devil's works? And it's very important. Before we see how Jesus does this, let's look at how he doesn't. How does Jesus not destroy the works of the devil? Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle, we, we know this, we know this, guys. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. And, and we know that, right? And Paul wrote that after Jesus had already gone up to, to heaven. But you know what's interesting is that applies to Jesus as well. Jesus didn't come to wrestle against flesh and blood. He didn't come to destroy the devil's servants. You and me, lost in sin, following our own desires and, and, and the lying and deception of Satan. He didn't come to wrestle against flesh and blood. His battle was against something so much darker. And that's where we begin to see, okay, then how does Jesus 
destroy the devil's works. And, and look what, this is what James and John thought. This is what everyone in that day when Jesus came, this is what they thought. They thought, okay, well, the enemy is not me and my sin. The enemy is, you know, those who oppress us, God's people, the Jews. So it's, it's the Romans. It's, you know, whoever. And before the Romans, it was the Greeks and the Persians and, you know, so on and so on. And, and our Messiah is going to come rescue us from these horrible enemies that um, are in control of us. And that's not at all what Jesus came to do. Look what James and John thought in Luke 9. This is a very interesting passage. And I'm going to read it in the modern English version because the CSB, based on some of the texts it, it's, it's from and it's translated from, doesn't include this specific portion. It says, When the time came for him to be received up, Jesus, he was steadfastly set to go to Jerusalem because that's where it's all going to go down. And he sent messengers ahead of him. They went and entered a village of the Samaritans. Now, that's, that's important, to make things ready for him. But they, the Samaritans, did not receive him because he was set to go to Jerusalem. Now, there's a little bit of history I'm not going to get into entirely, but there's, there's a bunch of racism here between the Jews and the Samaritans. And the Jews hated the Samaritans because they were the half-breed compromisers and they're the, the pure-blood people of God. It's pretty, pretty gross. Um, but they did not receive him because he was set to go to Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, who are Jews saw this, they said, Lord, this is an opportunity. Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah did? Can't you just feel the, like, the urge in these disciples as they're like, oh, finally, we get to have, like, you know, vengeance on these people we don't like, or, you know, we get to do what we want and use this situation as an excuse. But look what Jesus' response. He turned to them and rebuked them. And he said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. I mean, here are these, here are these Samaritans. They are propagating the works of the devil. They're rejecting the Messiah. They're rejecting Jesus. They are opposing God, right? And so the disciples, in their mind, they think, okay, well, they're the problem. These people are the problem. Let's get rid of them. And fundamentally, man, if this scripture, if, if throughout the ages and the crusades and everything like that, if we just understood, like if we just looked at the Bible, you see, what is the heart of Jesus? He says, you don't know what spirit you're of. Like you guys aren't getting it. And I love it because about the Pharisees, he says, you are of your father, the devil. The disciples, he doesn't say that to them. He says, no, you're of a different spirit, but you're totally ignorant. Like, I imagine Jesus, have you guys seen The Chosen? This scene is in The Chosen. And it's very funny. Jesus, I think if I remember, he just looks at him for a second. And he's like, like, really, guys? Really? That's not Jesus' purpose. That is not how Jesus destroys the devil's works. He doesn't go after and, and, and condemn people. I mean, look what John 3.16 says. We know this. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17 is key. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's why Jesus came. And so we see, okay, if that's not how Jesus destroys the devil's works, how does Jesus destroy the devil's works? Uh, one more scripture, and then, and then I'll, I'll answer that. Micah, Old Testament prophet, 
7, verse 18 and 19. Who is a God like you, forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his people, of his inheritance? He does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in faithful love. He delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us. He will vanquish our iniquities, not our enemies, our iniquities, because that's the enemy. That's sin within us. That was Israel's enemy. And when you read the Old Testament, it's the story of, of Israel's, you know, who they thought were enemies. They were just a consequence of Israel's real enemy, their sin, that continually destroyed them over, over and over again in a, in a cyclical spiral down into destruction. That was the enemy that Jesus came to rescue. That is the devil's works that Jesus came to destroy. He didn't go for the servants and, and the fruit of the devil's works. He went for the root. Sin itself. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Jesus defeated the devil and destroyed his works when he hung between heaven and earth, drinking the cup of God's wrath in that moment where the perfect justice and the perfect mercy of God embraced. It's insane because in our minds, we see something like human trafficking and, and it, it can be so easy to be like, God, why don't you do something, you know? And, and I would say we, we, we've had a very tame picture it, it compared, to, compared to what's out there. And, and when I say what's out there, like what's in our city um, still today. And we can say like, God, why don't you do anything? Like, like, God, why don't you do something about Russia? Like, why don't you do something about whatever? And it's this, this weird, it's not a paradox. It, I, I guess a conflict is the word. Because we want, we long for justice, right? We long for the, the we, don't under, we don't realize it, but when we think about it, we long for the judgment of God. Except when it comes to us. But God, being God, is merciful to all. So God is just by being merciful in allowing injustice. Now that's backwards, but it's like, what? Because here's the deal. God, it's temporary. It's temporary. God is merciful. God is slow to anger, but his anger will come. And though Jesus didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them, right? Those who refuse the answer and the solution, the salvation that he gives, they will be judged with Satan in the lake of fire. That, that, that is real. That will happen, and his justice will be served but right now, the reason there's human trafficking, the reason there's war, and the reason there's poverty and, and, and so many injustices and racism and, and abortion and, and, and all this stuff is because as crazy as it is, God is merciful. God is merciful. But his judgment is coming. Jesus doesn't destroy the devil's works by destroying the devil's servants, but by transforming them. That's how Jesus destroys the devil's works. When he hung on that cross, taking the punishment and the weight of all of our sin so that we could die with him spiritually and be raised to a newness of life where we are free from the power of sin. It's no longer our master. We're no, we're no, you know, we're no longer victims to sin. So what is our part in this? This is our third question. See, what are the devil's works? How does Jesus destroy the devil's works? And then, okay, well, what's our part in this? And this is crazy. We know this, but in this context, hear this. 
1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Do you realize how hard it is to separate a head from a body? Nothing would be going on up here if I was not connected. Do you realize that's how connected you are? That's how connected we are with God? This is an insane verse. This is, this is a mind-blowing passage. This is a mind-blowing truth that we believe, that we are the body of Christ. But we don't say that about ourselves. God says that about us. So literally, we are the vessel, and I'm getting ahead of myself, we are the vessel through which God, through which the head gives commands and the body obeys. Do you see that? So it's, 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 it's a comical scene, but it's sad. So much of the time as the church, as the body of Christ, you know, the head has a command and the body's like doing something else. It's like one of those movies or animations, right, where someone has no control um, and they want one thing here and the body's doing something else. But we are called to submit to our head. How, I mean, that God would set it up like this, that he would include us and he says, no, I want you to be a part of my work. And what is his work? Isaiah, Old Testament again. Learn to do what is good. Learn. Learn to do what is good. Don't always assume that you know what's good. Learn to do what is good. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Those are the desires of the head. Jesus, our King. Matthew 5, 14 and 16. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. That, does, that wouldn't make any sense. But rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And I'm just, I'm going to hurry through this. I'm going to read the rest of these scriptures here. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, and 7. This is, we looked at the beginning of, of this, um, of earlier verses earlier on where it says the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Paul goes on and he says, for we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. And the devil's works is to keep, the devil's work is to keep people from seeing that. It's to keep people from that. But I love this because Jesus says, well, you are the light of the world. So the light that Satan has hidden from people's eyes, let them see it in you. Go and be that light. And, and yeah, we can scratch our heads with the rest of creation and say, why in the world would God set up a system like this? Where feeble, failing creatures are given the, the commission and task of presenting a glorious gospel. Why wouldn't God just come and do it himself? Well, he did. He did. And, and I love this. We don't, have a, we don't have time to get into Ephesians, but Paul says it is through the wisdom of God that he set up this system to display through us to the, like, like we're almost like the competitors that God is using 
on the field and the audience is the heavenly host. Like it's this crazy passage where it's like, whoa, like this is bigger than just us in our world. God has a purpose, God has a mission, and we are his vessel church to, to bring the light of the gospel to others so that they can have hope. And 2 Corinthians 5.20, a chapter later, this is the last verse and we'll wrap it up. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. Literally, we're, his, we're, we're the vessel through which he is speaking now. We're, he's making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So when this comes into the area of, of human trafficking, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a victim and there's a victimizer, right? And the reality is, is that there's, there's actually no innocent victim that's ever lived, except Jesus. Victim and victimizer both need to be reconciled to God. And that is the message we proclaim through our words and our actions that, man, there's a love so great that would rescue you. And, 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 and when injustice, uh, I, can't, I, I can't do emotional justice to the weightiness of this. But, but this is the truth I see, that church, we are that body of Christ who's called to Maybe, and not all of us are called to, you know, go hit the streets and start, you know, teaching others and start, you know, reaching out to victims and pre-victims, which we're going to pray for here in a minute. Um, but in every, every one of us is called to be an ambassador of Christ and to, to, to plead that, that the people around us would be reconciled to God. That's Jesus making his plea through us, his um, appeal through us. And I hope that God would call come some of you to this, to this work specifically. Let me wrap it up there. Ryan, do you want to come up? And, um, and I'd love to just uh, to go to prayer because I feel like that is a good first step. We were praying before the service this morning and realizing that this, this is not just about, okay, let's, you know, let's present and let's, let's call everyone. Okay, here's this work. Here's this injustice. Let's, let's go do something about it. But we get to do something about it right now. And that's by seeking our head. That's by, and, and saying, Lord, what do you desire? You have revealed your desire to us. Now, would you do that? Because Jesus also said, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't have a head, you're going to be a flailing body. And you're not going to do much. You're probably just going to make more damage. Right? Nobody wants to see a headless body walking around town, I'm telling you. So let's not be a headless church, right? So that's why we're going now. Lord, move us. And prayer... Prayer can sometimes be an end to itself because God will supernaturally answer or through our prayers, God will supernaturally move you. That's the weird thing. You can't just pray. Well, if you're really praying, you can because God will then move you. God will then move you to something else in prayer. It's that relationship piece. Anyway, I've talked enough. Um, walk us through these prayer requests, and then um, and then I'll get us started. Yeah, I think this is so appropriate uh, because uh, we uh, we need your prayers, and we are people of prayer, and we believe that uh, without God, without the Holy Spirit at work in us, then we won't be able to do these things. And so the first is just for for health. Uh, for us personally on our team, we were all sick this last uh, two months um, and, uh, and we had to miss uh, time and some, some serious uh, 
yeah, some serious illnesses, and so we really need your uh, prayers so that we can get uh, all together in the same place, which has been very difficult over the last two years, and it really uh, can enhance uh, the work that God wants to do through us if we can be healthy and, and present. Um, the next thing is that there's something very exciting that we are uh, a part of. We're not the sole, not solely responsible for this. We are working together with, uh, uh, with, with an agency that's based out of the, the Pacific Northwest and also with local church partners and leaders, uh, including Hunter, to do this. But we, uh, we have our first large-scale opportunity for men uh, to take action to reduce demand for, uh, for illicit purchase of sex and other forms of exploitation through this project, this EPIC project. And we really need men uh, to step up and to volunteer for this. And this is a, a restorative way that we can try to intercept some of this demand that builds up uh, online and uh, on this um, and online and over the phone and through other methods of communication for, that are being used to, to exploit people. And so we need your prayer. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, this, you. this is just awesome. Like, this is awesome. For, like, the longest time that I've known of, like, it's, it's just awkward to be a guy in this, right. in this work. Because you're like, I, I'm, not, I'm not the one. I, it's not going to be healthy or beneficial for me to go and approach girls on the street or <laughs> you know, stuff yeah. like that. And, and then when this came up, when I heard about this, I was like, oh, my soul, that's an answer to prayer. Because this is really for us men to step up and, and start leading in this a little bit and, just, and to take initiative and to say, man, we can do something about this. And uh, if this, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome, but it's intense and it's crazy at the same time. So we'll have more information on that that we can't maybe get into right now. But, but we've been kind of announcing that on Wednesdays um, in our prayer meetings. We've been talking about this as well. Um, and I'm, I'm sure probably we'll, we'll learn about that today in the class. Maybe that will come up. So. Yeah, absolutely. And again, Hunter, is, he's, too, uh, he's too humble about his involvement with us because he knows more about this than I do. Um, <laughs> though I have committed to be a part of it. Uh, as well, and I share that. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things that I don't have in, a, in my heart is a lot of compassion for the people who are purchasers and buyers of, of sex, yeah. and this is a, uh, an opportunity to, to grow in that. Um, and then we do case management. We, we minister to people who have been victims of human trafficking. Uh, we're not, we're not a, a, a trauma response agency, or we're not the people that show up first on the scene. If you see on the news that there's been a bust and a, a brothel and things have been broken down. But what we do is we, we provide additional help. And as you heard from uh, in our video, we allow uh, survivors to come be a part of our organization and then to teach and share their story and use their voice. And then we also are, are uh, over, uh, I think, 29 cases last year of what we are calling pre-victims. That is uh, uh, young women and men who are, un who are minors um, who are, have an extraordinary risk in their life for being exploited. Yeah. And so we're providing uh, mentoring and coaching and, uh, and skills such as online safety plans, um, what to do, uh, how, to, how, to, uh, how to respond when someone in their life is asking them to do something. And uh, we have uh, two advocates, victim advocates, that are working on our team. So we yeah. need prayer for all of these things. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you. Thank you, Ryan. And, and we, um, that's been something really cool to be able to pray for those, those clients and those pre-victims on our, I mean, it's, it's one thing to pray for, you know, strategies and classes, but then all of a sudden when you're like, oh, like we have these, these kids and these people that are, that are currently in this situation and, and they're at risk or something like that to be able to pray for them, it kind of brings another level of intensity to it. Um, 
So I want to start us off, and, and I want to just real quick just, just also say some things on the Epic Project so it's a little bit more clear. A lot of the work with human trafficking is, is and, and I love the coalition because they work for prevention, right? And prevention is not as, um, it's, it's not as optically intense to people because prevention keeps the disaster from happening. And so it's not as like obvious the work that the coalition's doing and the work that God's using them to do. Um, but it, it's absolutely vital um, because it's, it's, it's much more beneficial to have someone working in prevention than to someone to not have prevention and then someone to be caught up in this life and you know stuck in that for years and then on the other side, oh, then they get help. And that, that's good, but if we can prevent it in the first place, I mean, that, that's the goal. And, uh, and, and, and so whether, while there's organizations working like working for prevention on in that way and then and then helping these victims after the fact and get out of that um the epic project is like right in the middle of everything it's like literally as these you know behind the scenes transactions are happening because everything's gone not everything a lot of human trafficking and especially this is this is especially sex trafficking has gone online and so what the epic project does is it, we're, gonna, we're, we're trying to, we're, we're actually developing this right now. We've been talking to leaders, we've been talking to the well, and I've been in some meetings these past few weeks. And, and basically, we're, we're trying to set up what's called a cyber patrol, where it's basically like a bunch of guys in a room with computers and phones, and there's, now, there, there's an explanation for how this works a little more in detail, um, but to put it shortly, basically, they respond to um, fake ads, right? So when a guy calls a number, thinks he's getting one thing, right? If, if, if he thinks he's purchasing sex or some service like that, then he ends up talking to a dude that says, what's going on, man? What's going on in your life? You know, what brought you to this place? And, and, and the goal there is not to shame and um, condemn, but, but to really be interested and in, 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 to find healing in that moment. And you can imagine the responses are all over the spectrum. And the Epic Project is not new. It's been around, but we're, we're trying to see it planted here in the Central Valley, and the work they've been doing is, is phenomenal. Um, and, uh, oh, man, there was one, one thing I was going to add well, on it's that. Also it very, it's, yeah. also, it's, also, it's also designed so that those of us who are in the room, we, don't, we are not perusing uh, ads for oh, sex yeah, no, and exploitation. No. Like, we're not actually <laughs> seeing these fake ads at all no. or, like, exposed to, to yeah. that because right. that, like, as Les Hunter said, the last thing I would ever want to do is, like, start scrolling, like, to try to help women, like, through a bunch of photos and yeah. videos. Yeah. yeah, right. And so, so they, they have a very, and that's why I can't, I'm not getting into yeah. all the details, but that's the short, short version of it. But it's a, that's what I was going to say. Sex trafficking exists because there's demand. Industries exist because there's demand. Coke and Pepsi are still around because people like Coke and Pepsi. Sex trafficking will be around as long as people are willing to pursue sex outside of God's design. And so the Epic Project is really looking at, man, how can we reduce that demand by really taking these guys, like, in the moment of seeking sin, in the moment where the devil is working, and to stop it, and to just disrupt it. And if that's all it is, great. 
Hopefully that guy on the line will be just, just scared and he's like, I'm just done. I'm not even going to try, right? If, if that's the worst case scenario. But the best case scenario is seeing someone, seeing one of these guys get plugged into a church. Get saved. Understand what true, pure, biblical sexuality looks like. So anyway, that's, that's enough on, on that. Um, let's go ahead. I, I'd love to just open us up in prayer and just spend a little bit of time that we could pour our heart, heart before the Lord and um, and just ask, like, how does he want you to get involved? And, and, and beyond that, it's not just about you and you getting involved. Pray, pray the Lord works in our city. Pray for these requests that Ryan has shared. Um, Father, we just come to you. Lord, you see all, you know all. Every heart in here is, is, is open and exposed before you, Lord, before your sight. And Father, the cross, the gospel is so worthy of of more response, Lord, and it always will be. Thank you that you saved us, Lord, but, but the cross is worthy of, of the salvation of more. It's worthy, your work, Jesus, is worthy of more people turning to you and saying, yes, Jesus is better. Yes, he deserves my love and loyalty and affection and everything. And God, I just pray we would see traffickers, we would see victims, and, uh, and everywhere, you know, between, I guess, um, we would see that happen more and more in this city, God. We'd see that happen in this church where they come to salvation in you, where, where people find healing, they find freedom, th that reconciliation happens, Lord. God, there's so many heavy things we haven't touched on today, and, and maybe that's good. I, I know the class is gonna, gonna be heavy enough today, and so, Lord, if there's someone in here that needs to sign up for that and be a part of that because you want them there, I pray that you'd have that have your way there. And Lord, be with us now as we pray. God, help not, not just me, but, but everyone in here, Lord. And, and maybe it's totally unrelated to this conversation, but take this time of prayer and work in people's hearts. Lord, work in our hearts in Jesus' name.